0: Good morning, this is Matt Hines, and I want to do one final report on the Bellevue Farms. Uh, I mean, I might have more to say about it on future episodes, but uh, as far as... um, I, I just published a written report summarizing the data... Right. well, really, it's just sharing the raw data that I've gathered from this season, and then it includes plans for next year, although I won't be here, but it's some uh, i guess a a starting plan for what could be done next year, especially the most detailed aspect of it is the planting plan. So there's that. And then there's also just a look at if we were to look a little further down the road, the possibilities for expansion and what it might look like to expand the Bellevue farms program and all of this information specific to this operation but this could go this is more broadly is what it looks like to manage an urban farm and market so this can be um, informative I think for really anybody who's interested in that so to begin with uh I just had work categories so when I was looking at all the things that we were doing you know trying to categorize the different um, aspects to managing the Bellevue farms aspects to managing an urban farm and market um, I kind of came up with the following and there's 22 of these Um, and they're, well, they're within either the field, the market, or other activities. And so for the field, you've got planning, purchasing, infrastructure, landscaping, bed and row management, propagation, seeding and transplanting, irrigation, weeding, crop supports, harvesting processing, and composting. In the market, you have planning and meeting. You have kitchen management. You have packing, processing, marketing, purchasing and sourcing, farmer's market management, CSA management, and other outlets. And then other activities that at least we do at the Bellevue Farms, uh, program management, fundraising, education programming, event hosting and attendance, and we have community gardens. So, then I have a little more detail on each of these categories. Um, f- for. F- I'm I'm not going to read that, actually, but if you want to know a little bit more about what all of those are, you can check out this report. I'm going to somehow try to link this to the podcast. Let me see if I can do that, and you can just click to view. Um, but going on from there, I go back to, at the beginning of the season, we did some market projections. We tried to guess. Uh how how many pounds could we grow? What is the overall demand uh, for our produce? Um, how much then should we be purchasing from other sources outside of our own growing operation? Purchasing other local produce. Uh, how much will it cost to purchase? and then how much are we going to get in sales and then what is the net in terms of sales minus how much it costs to purchase and looking at that month by month and we guessed that uh well I didn't really get a summary here so oh total but I can't even I'm going to have to reformat that I can't read it but you know but this this is really important chart to have for me because you can it's part of a planning process and it's stream it can streamline the planning process because by looking at this chart I already have information and then there's I have it two different ways. One of it, it one of them is totals per week within each month and then the other chart is just per month totals. But that total per week within each month, like for instance, if we look at September, I was guessing that the demand pounds per week was going to be 250. I was guessing that we can grow 90 pounds. And so therefore we'll need to purchase 160 pounds. It's going to cost 240 roughly. And then our sales will be on average 750 and then the net is going to be 510. And we'll see in a minute that uh actually this my sales estimate or the the net is pretty close, but the sales and demand and what we grew was all higher. Uh which is good. And uh okay, so but we'll come to that in a second. The next chart I have is managing the Bellevue Farms organization estimated hours per month for each of the following aspects of the operation. You've got the farm, you've got the market, you've got marketing, you've got events, education, and directorship. And these were, I think this I also did at the beginning of the season. So these were my estimates. And um, well, I, I think I have updates, but my guess was that, like, basically at the end of the day, to manage the Bellevue Farms organization, it would take about 4,000 hours per year. Um, And in the peak months, then what that would equate to is, um, you know, like June, July and August, September, you're going to be you're going to need 400 hours of work to get done each week. So I think this chart's really helpful. Again, to just like, know what you're up against, know what you can expect, because, you know, if you want to do all of these things, you have all of, you know, an ambition to have an urban farm, which I think a lot of people do. And I think it's a noble thing to try to shoot for. But what can maybe tend to happen is that they try you know you 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 can try to do a lot of different things you're managing a lot of different programs, and like the Bellevue farms we're i'm not entirely sure what the strategy is for grants um but I know they're good at getting grants. But what I see might be happening is though that like grants are can be for somewhat specific things and then you're kind of like tied to doing these things and the grants are not necessarily covering all of the costs to run these things and each different thing that you add is a whole other level of management and just to like initiate you no know, the process of managing this thing has a cost in it, a time cost in itself. And so, <laughs> you know, okay, so if you want to do all of these things, that's cool. But, then, but we got to know how many hours it's going to take to cover all this. So there's the expectation set right. And um, so, you know, all these things that we're doing, that's a lot, 400 hours, because then, you know, well, I guess that's four, as three full-time people and maybe an assistant, but uh, I don't know if I have updates on this one more accurately because I don't I I know specifically for the farm and market and a lot of this data to follow is about that. I don't know I don't I don't know how long it's actually taking. I'm just guessing on the marketing, the events, education and directorship. Well, I pretty much know for education and marketing and events, but I I don't know all of what entails for the directorship. But it's something like that. And so like yeah, to try to do all of what we're doing I would really say four full-time people seasonally and maybe you know you drop one of them but very quickly your fastest your biggest cost is going to be staffing and that's going to definitely be the largest ongoing cost and so <laughs> As an organization that wants to run an urban farm, you got to have a plan for that, you know. So it's it's hard. Like you're trying to get all you're trying to get as much money as you can, so you go down this avenue. It, but you know, I'm just seeing that some of these grants take you down an avenue that is going to, in the long run, be complicated to manage. But anyways, let me just stick to the try to stick to the facts of this report that I have and so the next chart is this is looking at the field costs my estimates for how much it's costing both in terms of just like materials but also in labor costs Uh, for each of the different aspects of managing the farm that I already mentioned and looking at this per month and getting a total as well and so Overall, like $30,000 is my estimate on this calculation here for field costs per year. Um, and that's... Uh, In terms of ratio of labor to other costs, it's, well, it's like $20,000 labor cost, and then $10,000 other costs. Maybe it's, maybe it's like $12,000 labor cost, and you know, the problem with this chart is that well the title because it's not just I just gave you a total that is for the farm and market because now I'm looking down and I also included all of the market so what that $30,000 is is the cost to run the farm and the market uh and Using this raw data, you can discern farm from market. I didn't do it, um, but within each of these categories, too, yeah, I'm looking at well, what was the late? Yeah, what was the labor cost and what was the material cost? So, like, one thing is wholesale purchase. I think that's that's about how much we were actually spending that we that we spent on produce was. we purchased $8,000 worth of produce from other local farms and we redistributed it (laughs) and then looking at something like uh processing how much time we spent processing was um basically cost $2,000 of labor for processing the produce and then um take a look at something else like weeding and actually there and I attribute the lack of weeds to some of the other methods that we're using but less than a thousand hours spent on weeding for this Um, and then look at one more It's uh, let's look at the market I'm estimating that Other costs associated with the market are about $600. And then labor is about $8,500. So overall, it's like $9,000 to run the farmer's market. And that's not including the CSA. I'm estimating that our CSA costs about $500 to run. And then we can compare that. We got net numbers coming up here. So now let's move ahead. The next chart is uh I think it's just a summary of the field costs. Oh, okay. So you here I separated field costs overall thirteen thousand dollars to run to manage the field. Um And then, well, here I'm also, this this is where (laughs) I have a net for the overall field. And this number is a little challenging to come up with. So I have to explain how I'm getting this number. To calculate how much the field is worth, what I've done is I've taken the amount of the produce grown from the Bellevue Farms field that was sold at the market. And then I'm dividing or I'm multiplying that by 66%. Uh, two-thirds. So I'm just saying two-thirds of that money made ought to go to the field where one-third of it the the market can keep. And uh, so that then that, that number is $4,000, because we sold $6,000 worth of our produce this year. Um, and I have in this chart by month, broken down by month as well as the total, and the net for each month and the net total. The net total is about 10000 so it costs ten thousand dollars some some way or another in this arrangement that we have we have to come up with ten thousand dollars to manage the field <clears throat> now, look at the market and the I guess to explain the uh, income, this is simpler because it's just the sales. This is the sales that we're making from our CSA program and the farmer's market. And that's pretty much our two outlets that we have right now that we did this year. And it breaks down, the numbers that I have have it $24,000 to run it, and twenty four thousand dollars earned this year, zero net, so it basically broke even so that's pretty interesting, and I would say that's that's an accomplishment you know that's that's really great. It's not easy to do that um, and so you know it is what it is though. Like it's just, it's just facts. So let's move on to let's move on to the next chart, which is just a field diagram. And, uh, you know, it's just like the nomenclature for the field and being able to identify sections, which really, it's just important to be able to have some visual for it so that the some of the charts to follow make sense Uh, but yeah I mean this is a pretty important aspect of the planning is just to have an easy way to identify your spaces and uh, well you know just to explain a little bit our field and the dimensions of our field we have about 16 well I guess 17 beds that are 2 feet by 50 feet. And then we have two feet rows in between walking paths in between each one. It's roughly a a 10th of an acre of growing space that we have. Uh, We uh, Okay, so then let's go to the next chart. The next chart is yields. This is our yields for the year. And I this data can be broken down much further than I've gone. This is, I, all I did was take a screenshot of the notes I've been taking for each thing that we grow each week and getting pounds harvested. And so I think I have a further breakdown later. I tried to summarize a, a little bit, but you know this chart is pretty sweet. Because you know, I was looking a lot for yield data, accurate yield data, and it's kind of hard to find, and there's also there's the ranges that you will find are can sometimes be pretty broad, and I think it is a lot of it is like site specific. So going through a process which took a lot of time to do this, but Now we can make so much better plans, more accurate plans. And now this is this is only there's also season to season variability, so this can only go so far, but it's a it's really helpful in all the other plans to follow coming up. Uh, And well this next chart has some of the yields per bed data that and I'm considering here a bed a 10 by 2 foot section that's 20 square feet so you can also do the math on somewhere I have another chart that's just a square foot yield data but this is these numbers are yields per bed for a 20 square foot area that we got at Bellevue Farms. So I'll I'll run off a few of the averages here. The radishes, we got 10 pounds, turnips, 35, beets, 25, carrots, 20, onions, 15, okra, 10, peas, 8, collards, 25, kale, 25, chard, 25, broccoli, rob, 10, cauliflower, 10, lettuce, 20, garlic, 10, cucumbers, 60, cherry tomatoes, 15, heirloom tomatoes, 75, eggplant, 20, pepper, 10. Yeah. Okay. So that is really nice. Those are nice numbers to have. Uh, The next charts that I have on a couple of pages, this is this chart I'm finding as a farmer to be one of the most useful ones because it's tracking across time pretty much any activity that's going on in each bed, and you, this is you kind of have to see this. I, I can't really even try to explain it, but so like, but well, basically. For example, you know, so this is a chart that has on one side the numbers of each of the beds. And each bed has its own row. And it goes then across time each week of the season. So each column is a week. And then when it's time to be planting something in that bed... So like take for example this first bed. It shows carrots are being seeded on August I'm um, April 18th. And then there's a line that goes through until June 27th. At which point there's, a no, there's numbers, and there's, for two weeks there's numbers. And the number is indicating the, the number of pounds harvested in that week. Um, and then the next week it shows okra, because I transplanted okra right after those carrots were planted. And then it indicates what, the date at which the okra was started to get harvested, and how much per week was harvested. And then this goes for all of the beds. And this is like three sheets of paper that I have to just explain what's happening. Six sheets of paper, of of grid paper. Um, But it's really a useful tool. And I don't know how easy it is to really read and follow it, but If you know what you're looking at, then, um, I don't know, I mean, for me, this is a relatively simple way to do this. I know there's, like, programs online and everything, but, like, for me, trying to enter anything on a computer is way more complicated than just writing it down on graph paper. (laughs) So... Like, by the time I try to learn how to get savvy on a thing, and I'm just like, and I don't want to have to be constantly on my phone all the time out in the field. In fact, I don't like to bring my phone into the field at all. I just like to be in touch with the field out there. So, like, that's just my problem. But I'm just, I think this way of mapping out or doing your field diagramming. Uh, It's far from the only way, but if you're interested in a way to keep track of that, this methodology is actually, like, really simple. I mean, you can just copy what I've done, and then you can take it from there. You can, like, modify it to whatever way you like. But I don't know. This is just the simplest way I could think of to map this out. And for me, it's just, like... uh, super helpful and it's a great visual for something that can be like a really complicated uh, thing which is to do your field planning all right next chart <clears throat> is on bellevue farms produce sales and distribution yeah so these are numbers that are like actually this is an actual summary of what we did this year Um, so overall total units distributed and now distribution is different from sales because we're talking about sales in this one which so total sales is $21,000 $6,000 from Bellevue grown okay but then there's well two things to clarify so there's units which is different than a pound some For some produce, like tomatoes and potatoes, one unit is one pound. But for other things like a watermelon, one unit is one actual watermelon, which could be like 15 pounds. So I kind of interchangeably use units and pounds because I think having some sense for each of them. And at the end of the day, it becomes kind of a wash when you're looking at like all of your produce. What I notice is generally, if you're selling X amount of, you know, assuming you have a blend of things where the unit size is both less than a pound and more than a pound, then it ends up looking in the data like pretty much the same. So anyways, total total units distributed this year at Bellevue Farms is about 10,000, 3,000 from Bellevue Grown. All right, and then this chart goes like month by month, what we did, units distributed, um, Bellevue Grown, and sourced from other local sources. Our... Uh, You know, you could see like peak month for sales was April, which we did about 5,000. And, uh, you know, so, and then you look at like the proportion of what we grew versus what we had to source. And in terms of sales, It looks like it's one-fourth what we grew is what we sold versus what we redistributed. One-fourth. But there's a slight caveat to that because with the CSA program, we're really loading them with the things that we grew. And so... And I mean, I think people sign up for a CSA and that's exactly what they want. They want what we grew. So that's true, but also we didn't necessarily sell those things in terms of like people, that number's a little bit skewed um, because the things that people actually chose at the farmer's market were more than one-fourth what we grew because we were loading a lot of that in the CSA and so people were not necessarily choosing that amount but then again they kind of were because they signed up and that's they were they their their feedback is that they want as much of our stuff as they can but that dynamic though I, I don't know that's that's kind of just an important note that I thought was worth bringing up here. Okay, so then I have like a chart and you can see the sales per week and uh, that's interesting. So, you know, like our average sale per week including the CSA and so the CSA was valued at uh, basically each box was worth um 30 bucks and we did 9 of them a week so $270 per week was CSA but then it, our farmers market averaged another it looks like 600 a week with some a few a few weeks where it was exceptionally high so it might that might pull it up a little bit higher, but overall we're looking at our average sales CSA plus farmers market per week was about eight hundred to nine hundred. Um, the next chart is just the raw data for uh well this this is tracking each produce category and. I think much more would need to be done here to take a look at this week by week and get a sense for each produce item uh, what you what you can possibly distribute. So that way you know how well how much when you're first, you know, first you're asking how much should I be purchasing this week? But spe- you know, you're purchasing item by item. You're you're purchasing produce category by produce category. So this graphic, I think, is really helpful. And with some playing with it, it could be even more helpful. This could basically, you can use this chart to come up with your purchasing plan slash your growing plan for next year. Uh, And I I kind of do this up ahead, but, you know, like for instance, you can take a look at lettuce and basically from May to August, we distributed each week at least 15 units of lettuce, 15 heads of lettuce. In some weeks, we were just able to distribute over thirty so basically, as much as possible, if you can get thirty heads of lettuce during that whole period of time, and there's a gap there, but I think the demand would continue pretty much throughout the whole season, earlier and later than that uh you can pretty safely just like have fifteen. Pounds of lettuce on hand, and you will be able to distribute that here each week through the season. Uh, you take another thing like corn, which is a big seller, but not something we grow. Like, we could grow all, and the thing is, we can grow all that lettuce. And we know now we can use all of these data points to figure out when to plant lettuce. So that we have at least fifteen heads every week, or at least we can come as close as we can. Uh, but I don't. I don't. The pro the, the thing about that gap with the lettuce is that's when we can't grow it. it. It all bolts. Although I did try a slow bolt variety that worked really well at the end of the season. So that's the, now we're really getting into the weeds. But like, okay, you can have a, you can get bolt-resistant varieties and continue to grow that lettuce through the whole year. Um, Okay, so that's the kind of fun you can have with this produce distribution chart. And um, Okay, so but then let's move on to the next chart. This is all of the places that we bought produce from. We went to Mother Earth Mushrooms. We got a couple things from the Penn Farm. We got C&G Hydroponics down in central Delaware, where we also would go to Pfeiffer's, and we mostly did that at the beginning of the year. We uh, There's a Common Market wholesale that we purchased from. There's uh, Sprouts On Manor, A.T. Busby, moods, orchards, and then those were our main sources. So for each of these, I have a number for how much we purchased, uh, the the cost to purchase, and then uh, how much then we were able to turn that around and sell it for. For each of these inlets... And so, but overall, we, yeah, we purchased about $10,000 worth of produce this year. And then we turned that around. Oh, and well, so that number, <clears throat> okay, it's also including what we grew at Bellevue Farms. And I'm using the same calculation here for the cost. So basically, uh, I mean, it's kind of a funny way to calculate this, but because really really, in this case, the farm should get more money from the market, <laughs> but anyways, just the way I did this is like all this is is like it's taking the number cost the or the number of dollars earned from what was grown at Bellevue Farms at the market and then it's giving 66% of that to the farm and that's what the cost is here for Bellevue Farms and that's included in this calculation <clears throat> so the total cost is about 10,000 all right specifically it's 9 9,500 um and then the overall in from that was 12,500 and oh, this by the way, <laughs> another thing about this specific chart is that it's only going through mid-September. I didn't keep adding, yeah, so there's, there's like four weeks of the end of the season that are missing from this. <laughs> but <clears throat> anyways, so the total in is 12,500. So the net is $3,000. All right. And then just looking at what was our... And then I have like a calculation for dollars in, divided by dollars cost. And just looking at what was like the most worthwhile one to go to. And that would be... Well... A.T. Busby and Bellevue Farms. So our own farm product it, in this calculation is one of the best ways to go. However, as I just got done saying, like the, the market in this case should be giving more. Because even if they can't sell it, if they're going to buy it, then they would have to pay for it. But then again, the market would be far less reluctant to buy from the farm if it knew that it might not sell all of it, and then there's going to be less demand for the market. And this dynamic is the place where um, this tension that exists is really frustrating, but it is a really important aspect, I think, of uh, when we're talking about interventions that can help urban farming markets. It's right here. And it involves money. It involves giving more funds to both the market and the farmer so that they can then take more risks and help each other out. So, okay, that's kind of a tangent, but Uh, anyways, but really, truly the going to AT Busby was really great because they gave us, uh, that's where we got the corn and a lot of warm season crops. And that's where, uh, uh, you know, just out, out in New Jersey. So they were growing things that we couldn't grow. We weren't going to grow. And, uh, they sold it at a cheap price. And they were high demand items, so that was really great. Um, the next chart I have is it's a visual of when different produce items are available seasonally, and specifically like just a visual of what we had available at our Bellevue farm market and when. <laughs> Uh, The next chart's about the plant sale. It's just some data on the plant sale, which is a very specific thing, but it's basically just information that I wanted to share with the rest of the team, so I included that on there. But the plant sale was a nice thing because we did earn $2,000 from plants that we started right there on site, so that was actually kind of a nice fundraiser. Um. Yeah, all right. So then the next stuff I have is about the next year 2023 planning. So the first thing I have is like an update of the whole farm and market. Um it's a breakdown <clears throat> per task category of how many hours per month by task and it very very much mirrors what happened this year but I guess it's kind of a more updated and accurate based on what actually happened this year compared to the one that I mentioned earlier and uh, well to break this one down basically I think you can manage the farm in about 1,300 hours and you can mar- manage the market in about 900 hours next year. Um, and this kind of tries to break down and make a sense of like, well, what exact, what activities, how much time are we going to spend on each activity each month? Uh, so can be pretty useful, especially when you're trying to manage the whole thing and look at it from a bird's eye view, I think. The next chart is Ideal Harvest, Bellevue Farm Ideal Harvest. So this would be – okay, what this is, I took that produce distribution, what we distributed each week throughout the 2022 season (laughs) – and I took out the things that we could actually successfully grow at Bellevue Farms. And then, you know, so like that lettuce, if we distributed on a given week, you know, what what did I have for the lettuce here? Yeah, so, you know, basically through the whole season, at least 20 pounds or units of lettuce should that would be ideal we could we could grow that if if we could grow that that would be ideal and we we know we can grow lettuce most of that time and then it says how much of that how much you would ideally want to have available to harvest each week and uh, you know so like at the peak there's several weeks where we should just be able to harvest like thirty pounds of lettuce, and that would serve our market we could We could do that, and you know there's twenty or so different things that throughout the season, ideally, if we could grow it ourselves, well you know that's what we would do and but you don't on the other end, you don't want to grow too much of something, so this info is like grounding you in like okay where to where to stop <laughs> what's well, the max limit okay and then the next chart I have is a planting schedule that's now considering uh it's taking that ideal harvest and then well when would you plant that then and It's just week by week, the number of two by 10 foot beds that you would plant or seed or seed for. So it's like, that's the, that's the week that, okay. So like some things are direct seeded, so that's simple enough. But if it's a transplant thing, so this chart would say for like onions, the first time you want to start seeding onions in a tray would be mid-February. And then you're going to basically, for onions as an example, every other week through, starting in February, through July, you're going to do one 2 by 10 foot amount of seeds uh, every other week. Okay. The next chart after that is a planting plan schedule diagram. It's just a little bit different. And instead of the previous one is like maybe a little hard to understand. I think the next one is easier to understand because it says DS for direct seed and ST for seed tray and TP for transplant, and then it also indicates when the harvest period is going to be for each produce category. The next one is a chart for like, okay, so I mentioned the onions, and how much, you know, a 2 by 10 foot amount of onions, well, how much is that? And this just tells you uh, the answer is... 60, (laughs) 60 onions, but it also with the trays that are available, then I don't think they necessarily have 60 tray, 60 cell trays. So you would just use a 72 would be my recommendation. We have a bunch of 72s. So that means like, okay, every other week, during from February to July, you plant out a 72 cell tray with onions. And if you do that, assuming that everything goes well and it's managed well, you will have a perfect amount of onions to sell for the Bellevue Farms market. <laughs> so and that. Mm, that is it. Like, that's the beauty and that's the information that I think is key. One of the absolute keys to successfully running any kind of farm, but especially an urban farm where urban farms need to be a little bit more diversified. They're going to be a little bit more complicated relatively to manage and line things up because also you're probably going to have spatial constraints. So it's a puzzle. and if, But if you have some framework to be able to make sense of it, that goes a long way. And speaking of the spatial aspect of it, we, we couldn't... Now, at the, these next charts, this is an actual planting plan using the same methodology that I was all excited about and explaining earlier. Um, I did a diagram for what the field schedule will be for, or what it could be for next year and for each bed. And so we, you, we couldn't do quite the ideal harvest. We can't get enough of all of the things that we could grow because we don't have enough space. But I took like the things that to pick out, I guess, which of the things to cut and which things not. I just looked at the profit margin which things are actually going to make a little bit more money which are but also you could look at which are higher demand but you can also look at which are more labor intensive and maybe err on the side of less labor intensive so those are all factors that you can consider if you have a spatial constraint and you can only grow so much now that that's what i was thinking about and um you know, so based on what we did this year, we have a pretty good sense of work, what worked well and how much is going to grow at different times of the year in, in each space and then how much of it to plant and when to plant it. And that's what all that chart explains. The next chart is then potential harvest, pounds per week for each produce category. Um, this plan, it if, if followed It would basically, um, which this plan, by the way, is a lot more simple than the one that I actually did this year. So I tried to simplify it quite a bit. Um, and what it would possibly yield is about 3,500 pounds. Um, and, uh, so that would be a really good start, but that's just one of so many different approaches that you can take to field planning. (laughs) Um, the rest of this document is just a few other like supporting documents, and then the the one that's a little bit bigger is the urban farm and market model. And I'm gonna run out of time on this podcast. I'm gonna have to talk about the urban farm and market model on its own podcast. But what it is basically, it's taking all this data, and you know, like next year, the plan for next year has to be simple. There, it's not necessarily gonna be a year of growth. Um. So that's what was considered for the 23 plan. But this part of the document is explaining like, okay, well, what if it's ready to grow? Where would it grow? How could it grow? And what does the budget look like? And this also kind of like, it both goes forward, but it also looks a little bit backward because I have some estimates on... Because I was jumping, you know, like the year 2022 was the seventh year of the program for Bellevue Farms. So there's a lot of stuff that happened before that. Like that number of basically netting negative 10 for the farm and market in terms of like the costs, well, that's probably a lot improved. There was a lot of investment that needed to go into this program to get it to where it is right now. So definitely being grounded in like what does it take to run an urban farm and market in terms of the money and i think this program has been pretty successful but as you can see and again i'll get into this all the details in the next podcast but um if you're thinking it's like a rosy picture and it's easy and it's cheap this This information might be grounding, but I'll leave it at that for today. Thank you so much and uh, be well.